0: Welcome to Connecting the Dots. I'm your host, Mark Shea, and we are here again, uh, as we are here every time, to talk about life, the universe, and everything from a Catholic perspective. And today, I'm here with my dear friend, Christine Franklin. She is the host of... Hello and welcome. She's got her own podcast, but we decided uh, to have her on this show. Maybe one of these days I'll do her show just to reciprocate. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we're here. Uh, thought might spend a little bit of time talking uh, uh, about uh, the what has, I think the bishops have called it, a uh, uh, moral catastrophe that has uh, once again... <laughs> That's the thing again it's like are you kidding me this again um uh, afflicted the church uh, so uh, I'm we're recording this it's the 17th of August so a couple of days ago the uh, um state of Pennsylvania the attorney general of the state of Pennsylvania came out with a full report on six dioceses in the state of Pennsylvania, where over the course of the last 70 years, uh, there have been 300 priests who have the, – the what the report reports on is, I think, 301 priests, and uh, they document 1,000 victims. So that's about roughly – three people to each priest, although who knows what the actual proportions are. Uh, But the guy who gave the report said, this is what we've documented. He says it's probably thousands of victims. Uh, And you you can go, you can go read the thing online. Uh, It's,
1: it's sickening.
0: It's sickening. It's just sickening. sickening. It's shattering. You
1: don't read it if you are weak of stomach or cry easily.
0: Yeah, it's it's, <sighs> it's horrible. It's just horrible. And as has happened in the past, uh, with the crimes go uh, cover-ups uh, by, uh, again, multiple bishops going back 70 years. Uh, and so that came out the the response of the church has been uh all over the place there have been uh respectable uh, uh responses by and by that i mean uh not only uh, you know the the sad talk which you're always going to get uh golly this is sad and we feel bad about this but actual calls for reform and, and serious uh, calls for reform, which mean, I think at the very least, we'll, we'll be getting into this, uh, this has to be done by laity now. Uh, the it, it, And it has to be done by the state. It has to be done by Caesar uh, because these guys have shown that they're not capable. Uh, and, and as the, uh, the story, the appalling story of Cardinal McCarrick uh, has also shown, uh, the bishops themselves, who are supposed to be uh, leading the church, have shown that they cannot govern themselves. Um, people say, well, what about these reforms that took place 10 years ago after this scandal in 2002? Well, what happened there, and it—it it was there was a real reform. It's important under, to, to see that that is true. Uh, so what you'll see, for example, in this report is that these are not things that have happened since those reforms were instituted because the reforms have really had an effect they're now they're they're kicking these people out when the when the crime is committed there's never going to be a time I think that's
1: really that's really important to say that again yeah. this is old this is old stuff it doesn't make it any less bad or horrible right but the reforms put in place they are hopefully starting to work
0: yeah and you know, so and that's we're not a good thing. you know we, you're always going to see uh, as long as, and we're going to talk about this cuz i think this is an important point you you will always see whenever you put adults and kids together in any human social grouping you are always going to see this kind of abuse occur uh that's just a statistical reality uh, because that's what the human species does. Uh, there's always going to be a certain percentage of uh, the human species in any social group uh, that is going to uh, abuse the weak. That's just how it goes. The, the key is what do you do when that happens? And mm-hmm. what you should do uh, is you rid these people. You know, you, you, you kick them out and you put them in jail. Uh, and that should happen. Uh, the problem is uh, that these reforms, uh, as, good as, they, as far as they went, here's what the reforms did not do. And Cardinal McCarrick is the icon of the problem. Cardinal McCarrick was in charge of these reforms. And what he did was he made sure that they applied to subordinates. But they did not apply to him, and so he he just he retained power. He went from you know glory to glory and remained a very powerful figure uh, in the church uh, until earlier this year, when finally uh, uh, it came out that he himself had committed abuse, uh, and so that followed almost immediately by this report has opened up huge wounds and what it's brought to light uh, is the fact that the reforms are incomplete because the reforms never applied to bishops themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, that means not only abusers like McCarrick, uh, but also, and this is just as critical, also uh, People who knew, people who protected uh, abusers, people who covered it up. Uh, and, and that's the great gaping, open wound uh, in the American church. For And it's going to be, it will be in the global church. Uh, yeah. And it's going to be in the rest of the American church. This was six dioceses. There are 197 dioceses in the United States alone. Uh and and you know you just know that this is uh it's all going to you know come out again in one diocese after another uh and and so you know here we are we're we're in a hierarchical church that's ruled by bishops who cannot govern themselves uh and so what do you do well you call the cops <laughs> that's what you do you know at this point and, and i think later at the point where you know i mean 2002 it was like shock and now it's just uh exhaustion and
1: yeah and, and, and I, I people are asking what and what fury. can i do they're asking what can i do what can i do yeah And um, I had a guy on Twitter the other day say, "We need to do something about it." Right. Well, what? Right. Say say what you're going to do. Are you going to just stop giving money to your parish? That's an option. But you expect to still receive the sacraments and sit in an air conditioned room and a heated room in the winter. Who's going to pay for that? You know, I mean, um, how you know how do you how do we as the lay people do something? that actually will make a difference. Mm -hmm. I I think that's going to be a very important discussion. I don't have that answer and I'm not sure there's one answer. I know that, you know, reform, reform always starts with personal reform and conversion. Mm -hmm. And if anything, it's a call to conversion for everybody, Mm -hmm. for everybody, not that, you know, we're, you know, well, we, you know, we're all sinners. And so what they did, it's not that bad. No, no, not that. Well, they, they committed crimes. They covered up crimes. Right. They hurt children. It's terrible. It's heinous. It's like, there aren't words to describe how horrible and sickening it is. Right. Um. But the same thing is, what can I do? I can look in the mirror and make sure that I've been to confession <laughs> and I'm praying and that I'm praying for this. And Right. You know, another thing that, you know, I am I just did a I recorded a podcast today that won't come out for hello and welcome. It won't come out until October. But I beg people, if you've been abused. Come forward. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're afraid to and you, or you don't know how, write to me and I'll call. We'll talk. Uh, you can tell me your story and I will ha- I will help you find the person in your diocese you can report this to and be believed. Right. Because it's important that the garbage that we take out the garbage and we got to know where the garbage is in order to do that. And for people to heal. Right. Um. So yeah, you know, that's, that's a place to start. If you've ever been abused by clergy ever, and you haven't told anybody yet, even if it was 40 or 50 years ago, ask God for the courage to come forward. Add your story. Right. You know, Um. The, and the darkness d- loves the, you know, evil deeds love the darkness. Yeah. And this is going to shine a spotlight right into the pit which mm. in some ways is a good thing
0: in every way it's a good thing i mean paul this is what paul says he says it's uh,
1: ugly you know, but it's, it's good
0: paul says exposed deeds of darkness you know and th- there's a there's a dynamic here that i think it's really important for us as laity to get um it's really important for us to grasp that when we speak of the church, what we're talking about is the body of Christ. And that includes all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- there's a, there's a couple of things really important. to understand It's so important to grasp that laity aren't, uh, we're the victims here. This is not one of these things where, well, one of the temptations that, 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 Always happens, uh, and that evil loves to exploit is the. It's what I call the otter defense. Uh, there's a there's a movie that came out like 40 years ago called Animal House. This is a weird, <laughs> weird, weird tangent. I
1: saw it. But uh,
0: <laughs> but uh, you know, it's about this horrible fraternity that does all these terrible things, and uh, uh, and so eventually, you know, they're 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 going to shut them down. And Otter is one of the members of the fraternity. He stands up to, to offer this defense that's just complete baloney. And it starts with, you know, well, you know, if we're at fault, doesn't that mean the fraternity system is at fault? And, mm-hmm. and if it's a fraternity system, that isn't really the whole educational system. And isn't this an indictment? of our entire society (laughs) well you can say what you want about us but i'm not going to stand here and listen to you badmouth the united states of america and then they all get up and stalk out and so there's that that the desire of evil always is to anonymize itself it wants to disappear it wants to hide and one of the principal ways it does that uh, in the in the catholic church uh and in the and in the and in christian culture is by this bunk claimed that well well all have sinned really when you think about it no uh, <laughs> this was not the fault of victims this was not the fault of laity no this was abuse by priests covered up by bishops who is responsible for that the abuser and the bishop not the victim Not the laity, not society in general. It was those guys. Uh, And we need... It's okay to say that because one of the things victims do a lot is they do blame themselves. Mm -hmm. And, 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 And don't do that. And don't let the people who abused you do that to you. Don't let... People who hurt you say, "Well, you, you were really asking for it." When you think about it, no, no, you're the victim. You did not deserve this. You did not have this coming. This is not your fault. You were not asking for it. It's not the way you dressed. It's none of those things. And and but we've seen that. And we've seen, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, one of the bishops, uh, you know, wrote some letter or something i forget it was like a tweet or something but it was it was basically something about you know well you know in a society where we have abortion or contraception this is the sort of thing to expect no this was not caused by abortion this was not caused by contraception it was not caused by laity who ignored humanity this was caused by abusive priests and the bishops who protected them
1: yeah because look at all the people you know, that aren't abusing, you know. We have con- we all live among the same we live in the same culture. Right. People who live in the same culture, good priests, good bishops, good lay people, men and women aren't doing that stuff. We live in the same culture. Right. And we're inundated with it as much as anybody else. Right. So, and
0: and so it, it's really we important. Share, to do it. We
1: don't share this guilt somehow. Is right. that what you're saying? Uh, yeah. yeah, and and yeah.
0: Well, and, and the the thing is, is that when it when a huge triggering catastrophe like this happens, uh, one of the things that happens is people want to start. They've got their own hobby horses that they're riding. And so they go, wow, everybody's upset about this. This might be a good time to also target my hobby horse <laughs> that is well, really important to me. Nat- you know. People
1: have a natural desire to, un- to make sense of it. Right. And so you have your, your paradigm of what's wrong with the world, what's wrong with the church, right. world, wow, whatever, whatever. You're, like, you're calling it your hobby horse. But it's also just a natural human response to right. catastrophe. I want it to make sense to me. Right. And so you put it, you try to fit it into your paradigm.
0: Right, right. And, and so we've no? seen, you know, I was writing about this today. We've seen, I've seen, I have, here is what caused <laughs> priestly abuse, uh, according to Facebook. <laughs> it was caused by abortion. It was caused by not paying attention to humane Vitae, even though it goes back 70 years. It was caused by liberals. It was caused by feminists. It was caused by Vatican II. I saw
1: one where it was caused by people who wanted liturgical dance.
0: Right. It was caused by liturgical dance. It was caused by banners in the sanctuary. It was caused by the new mass. It was... No. Girl
1: altar servers.
0: <laughs> it was caused by girl <laughs> altar servers. Girl Here, altar servers. Here's what caused this. Uh it was caused by abusive priests and 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 by the way, other Catholic employees, so Catholic school teachers, for example, have done this too. It was caused by uh, abusers in positions of power, call them that, but but you know, primarily we're looking at priests. And by the bishops who protected them, that's mm-hmm. what caused this. It was you. You can okay. You don't like banners in the sanctuary. Fine. You don't have to like banners in the sanctuary. But they did not cause priestly abuse. And here's another thing yeah. that it's really important to understand. You know, uh, the uh, I, I'm not clear on the statistics, but the statistics seem to indicate that that uh, a, a larger percentage of the abuse. Uh, was homosexual abuse. But here's the thing, also not caused by all priests who self-identify as gay. Because this was men and women, this was boys and girls, Uh, there is, and the issue that has to be focused on, and this is getting to something that I want to touch on here, the issue that has to be focused on is abuse, not abuse uh uh all gay priests because right. all gay priests did not do this some the powerful of powerful preying
1: were, upon the was, less powerful exactly. and getting away with it exactly and, and those in even more power turning the turning aside and doing nothing.
0: Right. Yeah. Or participating in it sometimes. Or, yeah, as as in McCarrick's case, you know. But uh I had a I had a conversation with a friend the other day that I found really, really helpful. Um and it was kind of a. it was a weird and surprising conversation. I was talking with a friend of mine, he's a convert, and he was, you know, like me, he was just hand-wringing and full of anguish, and you know, I had one friend of mine, I had, I had one friend of mine who remarked the other day, she's also a convert, and she said, I have heard more swearing from Catholics in the last two days <laughs> than I've heard in the last ten years of my life. And I thought, yeah, that's true. But but, anyway, I was talking to this convert friend of mine, and he was you know anguishing about this and very upset and then this another friend of mine, a cradle Catholic, kind of you know came into the conversation and he said, and I was very struck by this, he said, "Why do you think we're so special?" Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, "What He says, "What makes you think that Catholics are so special that this is not gonna happen in our sociological group like it happens in every other sociological group. Now it's important here to to get something. Uh he was not one of the other forms of excuse making and deflecting that I've heard a lot uh from Catholics coping with this it has been the uh, you know the trick where you, you point at those guys over there. Well, what about, happens everywhere. what about public schools? You know, they do yeah. this too. And as though that makes it okay, right? Wow. Well, oh, well, if public schools do it, then Catholics are off the hook. That was not his point. He was not trying to deflect. Rather, he was saying this. He said, Look, as long as you have the prideful notion that you're just way better than everybody else then you're going to be driven to despair by the discovery that, you know what, sociologically speaking, we're exactly the same as everybody else. We yeah. are. And it made me realize something. I'm working on this book on the creed right now. And one of the things that's interesting to realize about the creed uh, is that uh, almost none of the Christological heresies in the early church had a problem with the deity of Jesus. Everybody was ready to acknowledge the the deity of God the Son, of course. Uh, What the the Christological heresies were almost entirely about uh, was people who had one problem or another with the humanity of Jesus. So Docetists denied him a human body. And Nestorians said that there was no real union between the divine nature of Jesus and his human nature. So he was sort of like... Uh, a human being filled with God gas, but but God the Son never really had any contact with Jesus the man. Uh, or he didn't have a human soul, or he didn't have a human will, or he didn't have a human mind. Over and over and over again, the issues in the early church all centered around the question of the humanity of Jesus and people who were really uncomfortable with that. Well, in the when we speak of the church, we are also speaking of something that is both a fully divine institution, but also a fully human institution. Mm -hmm. Jesus is promised to us as one who is like us in all things, but without sin, but never, ever, ever (laughs) in the history of the church has the church ever been promised to us as something that is like us in all things except sin.
1: <laughs> you know, uh, that's an important distinction. The church as the bride of Christ, the spotless bride of Christ, and the human beings that make it up.
0: Right. And so when we speak of, and this is what confuses people, I think, when we speak of the church as holy, and we do, we say that the church is one holy catholic mm-hmm. and apostolic church, um There is a tendency, and I've seen this so much in Catholic apologetics, and including my own apologetics, I am ashamed to say. There's been, if you will, a kind of monophysitism, one of the early heresies, denied that Jesus had a human soul. Um, There's been a tendency to downplay and deny the humanity of the church, to to be willing to say that the church is a fully human institution. And so apologetics tends to be triumphalist. It tends to emphasize yes. the, the, the divinity of the church. And so, so much of apologetics uh, has been like, you know, well, you know, you believer in brand X religion here, we will stoop down now and speak to you of the one true church and, you know, because instituted by Jesus Christ and et cetera, et cetera uh, well, You
1: know, I had that thought today I had that thought today You know, this is going to put a big punch in the nose to triumphalism Oh, it absolutely really is, oh, it's dead. In that way, it's a good thing, yeah, <laughs> a well, good and, thing.
0: and we saw a spectacular <laughs> uh, example of that today, actually Bill Donahue of the Catholic League uh, came out with this document that was it's just embarrassing to read and it was just you know this whole pennsylvania report is a bunch of lies you know te- <gasps> really oh well technically christine you need to understand you know that technically rape means penetration
1: it, it was oh that my kind gosh.
0: of defenses you know you just go shut up just oh that's shut horrible up! you know oh but and you know what? you
1: know it's like it's, like, it's- to anybody who's ever been touched, groped, anything inappropriate uh, like that, yeah, it's, that's what that's saying is, A well, that was nothing. Yeah, exactly. That yeah. was nothing, yeah. little boy, yeah, boy it, little girl, it, <sighs> little man. That was yeah. really nothing. And what are you making such a big deal about it? And don't bother to talk about it because it wasn't penetration. <sighs> that's just... Horrible. Shut up!
0: Shut that up! Is yeah. Horrible. Yeah. And, and but that's see that's what happens when you've got and and this is on full display uh, in Donahue's uh, response to the Pennsylvania thing. What you've got there is this triumphalist vision of the church, uh, and man, is the church not looking triumphal right now? You know the. No, tr-
1: and that's a good thing. <laughs> and, no
0: kidding. And, and and that's the thing is that what we see i had a priest one time a very wise man uh once remarked to me that uh when the church speaks in council uh what the, the this is a this is an act of the spirit that's taking place it's the spirit that convenes the council uh that's why the council is happening and so when the church convenes to speak in council or when the church speaks, if you will, you know, magisterially. So for example, when the church uh, defines a doctrine, which happens very rarely, but uh, when the church speaks conciliarly, it's speaking uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit. And because of that, uh, he said, (laughs) he, he he was being funny when he said it, but there's a truth here. He says, because of that, when the church speaks magisterially, uh, in a certain sense, the bishops don't know what they're talking about. And what he meant, <laughs> what he meant by that was that because the Spirit is guiding the church, uh, the bishops are speaking beyond themselves. And this is one of the things you see in the life of the church. The church will uh, hold a council, for example. We've seen this actually in practically every council. The church will hold a council, and then it the bishops will then depart and go back to their dioceses as the ordinary men that they are and often struggle to understand the implications of their own teachings. This is why it takes forever for the church to implement right. uh, a council. Because the Generation. bishops Yeah, because the bishops themselves are like they don't get what they just said. And and by the way, you can see this happening uh in the New Testament itself. So you have Peter meeting in council, our first pope, meeting in council at the Council of Jerusalem because the church is got this problem. Gentiles want to join the church. Do they have to become Jews first in order to become Christians, or what? Church has to figure that out. They're, they're not sure. So they meet in council in Acts 15, uh, and the conclusion articulated by Peter... Uh, is a kind of dogmatic formulation. He says, no, we're saved by grace through faith and not by works of the law. Gentiles, therefore, don't have to be circumcised. They don't have to keep kosher. They don't need to do all of these other things. This This is the first major development of doctrine in the history of the church. It's a revolutionary insight. Peter himself articulates it then
1: and then what happened and then,
0: once the council is over peter goes back to just being peter <laughs>
1: and he goes and he gets yelled at
0: he goes to antioch and he chickens out yes. on this development of doctrine the the jews in antioch and the in the church at antioch go why are you eating with gentiles and he's like uh i don't well it's i i'm sorry and he kind of backs down at which point Paul has to confront him not with something new, but with what he himself already taught yeah. at the at the Council of Jerusalem, and so you'll see this over and over again. Well, one of the th- one of the things that Gaudium et Spes uh, teaches uh, is, I think, one of the most staggering developments. Uh, in the, in fact, I would argue it's the most important development uh, at the uh, Second Vatican Council. Gaudium et Spes says that human beings are the only creatures in the universe God has created for their own sake. That's, of course, something that goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. We're made in the image and likeness of God. Mm -hmm. But the implications of that, that's the first time the church really articulates it in that way, is at the Second Vatican Council. Part of what the Second Vatican Council, of course, is responding to are the horrors of the 20th century. Uh, in which, uh, yeah, yeah, in which human beings are made over and over again, they're made means to an end. So they're made means to the end of improving the species by the Nazis. And so we'll just kill all the ones that we've deemed are, you know, substandard. They're made means to the end of capitalism. Uh, so we're cogs in an economic machine. The church has already started to say, no, that we can't look at human beings that way, uh, that an economic system, uh, that, that that the economics is made for man, not man for economics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has the same thing to say to, capital, to communism, by the way, that human beings do not exist for the sake of the state. They do not exist for the state of the revolution of the proletariat and all the rest of it. We are not means to an end. Well, here's the thing, and the, and the bishops are still only barely starting to get this, we are also not means to the end of the good of the church.
1: Say that again.
0: We are Extrapolate
1: not, on that. We
0: we do not exist for the sake of the church. Right. Uh, so th- what was the re- the excuse over and over again for telling victims to shut up? you have to shut up for the good of the church this for is for the gonna, sake of the church it's going to be it's going to hurt the church uh if this comes out so say nothing no no can, gonna...
1: can i just not de- can i not de i'm not deflecting but i'm just okay, saying sure, that sure. i ran i ran into this as as a protestant as well yeah it was about the witness of christ you know and and i mean sometimes maybe it's well meaning but it it's horrible because of of who pays the price right you know Jesus can handle it. That's the thing. God can handle. <laughs> Jesus can handle it. If right. human beings besmirch his name by their sins, you know, right. he's, he's going to get over it. He, you know, he's God for Pete's sake. Right. But well, you know, and he didn't human do beings it. suffer. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He didn't do it. And he human didn't beings it. Suffer it. had the very, I had this, I'll tell you a story. I mean, it's not as horrible, but I was very young. And I was teaching Sunday school. This was a very long time ago. And it was summertime. And one of the little girls in my class, in my Sunday school class, was bruised all over. Hmm. And she, she, she leaned over and I could see she had bruises on her back and her rib cage. And her legs were all bruised. Not like you bark your shin when you're playing hard, but she was bruised in weird places. Right. Yeah, my mom and dad took in foster kids, so I knew bruise, I knew bad bruises when I saw them. Right. But I didn't know what to do. There, this was probably in the 70s, 80s. Yeah. I called the pastor's wife, and I said, I think this child is being beaten. Right. My parents had foster kids. I know what those bruises look like. It set off all these alarms in my head. Right. And the pastor's wife said, well, that's, you know... You know, that's just a really good, upstanding family. And oh, and I had asked the little girl, what happened here? And she just did the deer in the headlights thing like, uh, I fell off my bike. You right. Know? Yeah. Huh. She was probably 10. So, I, you know, I called the pastor's wife. I said, what do I do? And, my husband said, call the pastor's wife. So I did. I called the pastor's wife and she said, oh, let's not say anything about it because, you know, they're they're upstanding good people. And, you know, it's possible they just got a little carried away with their discipline. And, mm. and so I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And I have to this day wished I had known what to do. Who do what do you do? But it was all about we don't want to make the outsiders think that this stuff happens among our people. Right. That's the bottom line.
0: Right. And, and that's I, that's the fear. You know, yeah, it, sure.
1: That's the fear. That's the fear that somehow Jesus will get messed up over it. Yeah. And the truth yeah. is that darkness must be exposed so it can yeah. be dealt with.
0: Yeah. And so Jesus tells us, I mean, this goes back to, again to the New Testament. Jesus, you know, t- uh, tells the Pharisees that the law was made for man not man for the law that you are not and this is the brilliance of that statement from Gaudium et Spes. man human beings are the only creatures God has made for their own sake we do not exist for the sake of some other end yeah and, and yeah. Uh, 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 the the utter thing to be used you're right the utter failure of the bishops is that they articulated you know under the guidance of the spirit they articulated this brilliant insight into the depths of the heart of the christian tradition and then they went home and they totally failed to grasp the implications of that when some kid was brought to them who'd been raped by a priest. They didn't look at that kid as St. Lawrence did. You know, there's the, the old story of St. Lawrence. Uh, you know, the rumor in the early church in St. Lawrence's day was that, as always happens whenever there's a new religious sect, God alone knows what they're hiding in there, right? So the yeah. Roman authorities come, and they've heard that the that the church at Rome has all this wealth and riches and stuff. Uh, and they, you know, bring out your treasures. St. Lawrence says, absolutely, Uh, you know, come back tomorrow, I will bring you the treasures of the church. So they come back the next day, and he brings out every, you know, homeless guy, (laughs) cripple, every blind
1: Toothless old ladies.
0: Yeah, just, you know, all the poor. Guy with toe fungus. You you know, the Romans didn't (laughs) find that funny, so they uh, they put uh, St. Lawrence to death. But St. Lawrence articulates what is right at the heart of our Catholic tradition uh, about what the real riches of the church are. The real riches of the church are and always have been uh, the least of these, the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. uh, uh, That's, that's the real treasures of the church. And by the way, you know, that means every victim (laughs) that our (laughs) church, this breaks my heart. It really does, yeah. you know. It, but it it does mean that every victim that our church has created uh, matters more than the entire institution of the church. Uh, and you know, and that's therefore... Really, that's,
1: that's really important, Mark, because people who are victims feel like crap. Of and course, they well, spend their lives feeling like crap. Yeah. You know? And they feel like it's their fault. They did something to deserve it. They, or they feel like it's their fault that they've suffered this long because they were too weak to say no, to report. You know, right. yeah. you can come up with a thousand reasons for why it's your fault. Yeah. And, and they, need to, they need to hear this, this over and over again. Yeah. That they are precious in the eyes of the Lord and more precious for their suffering.
0: And you know, as you know, as Catholics, we're committed to the work of evangelization. Uh, but here's the thing: people are not means to that end either. Yeah. They are not means to that end either. And so, one of the things that you know people who are committed to evangelization can do is that they can they can they can so easily. We, I, can so easily. Fall into that mindset, and, and it matters more uh, that, it, it, because there are going to be, there already are, thousands, you know, not just of assault victims, but there are right now, and there are going to be more tomorrow, uh, and more the day after that, and more as the years roll on, ex-Catholics. Yeah, who, uh, uh, you know, are going to look at the church, and they will never return to the church. They will never yeah. come back to the church. Uh, and if you, y- 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 and if you mention the name of the Catholic Church, you're going to hear that That's torrent of, of profanity. <laughs> and and you know what? Yeah. Um, they have a they have a right to that. It, it it's not it, it's not. Something for me, uh, my duty as a Christian and as a Catholic uh, is to seek their good and their healing, not uh, to subordinate that, not to make that uh, 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 the means to s- some conversion that I'd like to see. I yeah, I would love them. That's have, God's
1: business. Yeah,
0: I want I mean I want them to have Jesus and and yeah. I know that Jesus that they're seeking their happiness and I and I want them to have that happiness, but it's not up to me to uh say that has to happen through reconciliation with this institution that has hurt them so much because yeah, they are yeah. not means to that end. They exist yeah. for their own sake. Uh, and God wants their good. Jesus wants their good so much and is, you know, is at work in their lives uh, to, to bring them to what happiness, what healing, what peace uh, they can find. And that's yeah. my task as well, but at the end of the day it's it's them, and their're good that is the object, not something else uh yeah. that they need to you know fit into my big scheme. I'm not leaving the church because I understand that there's a distinction uh you know between these evil men that have done such horrible things. Uh, and so, you know, I didn't, I didn't, as my friend Tom McDonald said, I didn't become a Catholic for the bishops. And so I'm not going to leave the church because of the bishops. They can't take away from me what was never theirs to give. Uh, uh, but you know, there are an awful lot of people that are not going to be able to see that. Uh, and my task is
1: part of the, uh, The tsunami and the tragedy is all the people that are going to drown, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's not just the victims. I mean, if you're a victim of sexual abuse, especially by somebody who should have been protecting you, whether it's your father, your brother, your priest, whoever it is, anybody who's been a victim of sexual abuse, especially childhood sexual abuse, has a whole lot of wounds. And you take those wounds with you into life, into every relationship, into your work, into your, it's like it follows you. It follows you forever. Right. And it, it the re, the repercussions are huge. Yeah. In every single person, ev- every person who's been hurt, it's not just one person. It's yeah. that person and every relationship they're in for the rest of their life is affected yeah. by that abuse. That's,
0: that's the depravity of saying, well, this was a long time ago. It's like yeah. you tell that to a Holocaust survivor. You know yeah. <laughs> Wow, wow, it's been seventy years. Get over it. Um yeah. You never get over it. You you never ever get past this. And um you know, again when we say those kinds of things, what we're really doing. I think at the end of the day is trying to subordinate those victims to some other end. I need to get past this. You need to be over this because I need to be over it. I
1: need to be over this. So you need to be over this. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, so what can we do? Well, I think you're right that, uh, we have to, we need to be holy laity. uh, Yes, we do because it requires holy people to deal with this. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason we need to be holy laity is because um, frankly, at this point the <laughs> the, the healing
1: how somebody did, has to be holy <laughs>
0: well, but also how did god <laughs> how did God heal rebellious Israel? Well, one of the things that he used was the rod of the Assyrian.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, uh, at this point bishops who have participated in this who won't leave need to be in jail and we laity staff all the cops we own all the guns we run all the courts and we manage all the jails and so we have options uh, and I think that that's one of the things. That, now it's not just us Catholic laity, of course. Uh, it was the. But well, what you're
1: saying is, it's going to, you know, what you're saying is, the church can't police itself. Obviously, nope. it's shown it that it cannot right. police itself. Right. And so the now the secular, civil, uh, you know, authorities must get involved. Yes. And that's lay people.
0: And that is perfectly biblical, by the way. It is Paul (laughs) who tells the Christian this. And by the way, Paul's writing at a time uh, when, uh, of course, the church does not exist. At the time that Romans is written, the church does not exist in a democracy. Uh, It exists Mm -hmm. in a pagan empire. and, And the guy that he's speaking about when he writes Romans is Nero. So we're not,
1: Nut case.
0: but yeah. not talking about a virtuous person at all. And yet it is of yeah. Nero that Paul says that he is God's servant and God has put him there uh, to, you know, keep you on the straight. He says, you don't, y- 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 are, are you afraid of Caesar's punishment? Then do the right thing and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Now, that's yeah. not always going to be the case as paul's execution by nero will demonstrate <laughs> uh so but but see that's part of it is you know we say well if we leave this to caesar then caesar could abuse his power yes so <laughs> you should have thought of that
1: should have thought about that earlier
0: before you should did have this done your
1: own policing no. well he might
0: jail <laughs> some bishops who are innocent he certainly yeah. might but you know what? Uh, it's a risk that I think we we have to take at this point because you guys have not done your jobs, and we've already seen the innocent suffer. And if some innocent bishops suffer as a result of this, well, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Uh, but at this point, some guilty bishops really do need to suffer, and some guilty priests need to suffer, uh, and reparations need to be made. You know. It, it, What reparations can be made? Well, we've seen, of course, payouts uh, to victims, uh, and money is a pathetic compensator for that kind of trauma, but something must be done. Somebody needs to pay the bills for psychologists, for therapists. Somebody needs to pay, you know, for the... To help.
1: For the guy that's been on antidepressants since he was 17 years old and yes. he can barely work,
0: and somebody mm-hmm. has to pay funeral expenses for the su- for the suicides yeah. caused by this. Somebody besides the family has to pay for this. And people say, "Well, this is going to bankrupt the church." You know what? Okay, we did fine <laughs> when Saint Lawrence just had you know, a cop. Yeah, uh, we yeah I heard
1: that. On, somebody said that on Twitter Twitter the other day, and my Twitter feed was like, this is going to bankrupt the church, and I said, good. Tough. Yeah. Too,
0: Too bad. bad. We'll figure it Too out. Bad. We can meet we'll in people's houses, out. but it, yeah, uh, um, it, it, something has to be done. And above all, of course, what has to be done, and we've had them. It's happened in the past. We've had holy bishops. They do exist. We've got them now, yes,
1: you know, and some but, of them may be like you said, some of them may some people may go to jail unjustly and be accused unjustly. And that will be a form of martyrdom, you know, um, yeah. but it's not We we can't be so afraid that there might be an unjust accusation or something that we let all these creeps get away. We yeah. just protect them all because, oh, well, somebody might get accused falsely. Yeah, well. Well, you brought yourself to this because well, you didn't police yourself.
0: it's not like we don't have a court system, you know? I mean... We do. <laughs> we will be able to sort the innocent from the guilty. It's not like that's impossible. Uh, but the thing I is, believe- is that we've already... We know who some of the guilty are. Yeah. You know, we know... From the Pennsylvania report, we we see, we've got the documentation on the kinds of things that happen. You know, we've got, for crying yeah. out loud, I was, you know, there's a, I was reading a transcript today of Archbishop Robert Carlton, Carlson in uh, St. Louis. And this lawyer saying, did you know that it was a crime for an adult to have sex with a child? Well, I don't know if I knew that.
1: How could you not know that? Oh my gosh! Did
0: you know that it was a crime for a priest to do that at the time? Well, I'm not sure if I knew that. How did you not know that? How, How can you sit that. there and say that? And why are wow. you still an archbishop? Wow! Uh, and so you know, that's the question: is why is that guy still an archbishop? You know, and yeah. this is something you know, and it's going to have to happen fast, uh, or his pontificate is in ruins. Uh, this is something that that Pope Francis has to. Respond to, and he's got to respond yeah. soon. Uh, he's shown himself, himself able to do that. Uh, he did that in Chile, so it, he had a classic uh, clericalist response uh, initially to uh, accusations from victims uh, in Chile.
1: Pope Francis did.
0: Pope Francis did. There's a couple. Uh, it was last year, I think. I'm, a few months back. I'm not sure on the dates, uh, but you know, uh, they were. He was confronted. And he, he he got very customary for him because he's plain spoken, you know. Um, uh, he responded as a clericalist did, and he got mad at the lay people for saying terrible things about these bishops. And so, I don't know who got to him, but somebody got to him and said, you really need to look at this. Uh, and he did and did a complete 180. Went to the Chilean Episcopacy, uh, and for the first time, as far as I know, the first time in history this has been done, he went to the Chilean Episcopacy and said, resign, and the entire Chilean Episcopacy resigned. Oh, thank God. Uh, And, you know, thanks be to God for that, you know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Because I don't know the complexities of the American situation, there are a lot more American bishops than there are Chilean bishops. There were like I forget thirty sure. something, maybe something like that. Um, but uh, uh, he he needs to start acting. <laughs> they, they they this is very typical for Rome. You know, a, a friend of mine once said, you know, when you look up the phrase "rapid response squad." <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to see a picture of St. Well, Peter's. You know? I
1: know it's, it's true, but it's like it's like I look at it like this, so't I, I, don't, I don't give up hope. I, I never no. give up hope, but it is like turning an aircraft carrier around.
0: Yeah it is And
1: it's sad, but it's true. And I, know. I think one thing people need to understand is, God has not abandoned us. the right. Lord is here. He is in the midst of this. It will take time. It will be ugly and get uglier. Yeah. But I believe good will come from this. I do too. It just won't happen next week. Right. <laughs> just Love. get that off your calendar next week. Church crisis scandals, all priests in jail by next week. No, it's going to be long drawn out and very ugly. It's
0: going to be very and ugly. And
1: like you said, the church is going to people are going to leave the church. Yeah. Um
0: people have left um, the church.
1: Pe- People have left the church, and people will leave the church. That's God's business. Yeah, that's God's business. Yeah. And like you said, people aren't to use people aren't statistics for us to say, "Whoa, we've got a billion Catholics." Well, we might have less than a billion because of this stuff. And
0: yeah, you know, every one of those is a soul. God's business. You know?
1: God's business. He will take care of His people, and and for those who've been victimized. I just wish I could do something, you know, to to help, to to let them know, you know, what you're you're okay, you're good, you're good, you know, and and well, you're not bad. And
0: <laughs> something that came up last week uh, was just, um, I I just wrote a note to a bunch of people on my Facebook page and said, what what do you need? What would be healing for you? You know what? What would how? And yeah. it's, I mean, and that was really kind of directed to everybody because everybody's been beaten up over this. We all feel awful and you, and you do, you know, you feel so ashamed. I mean, you just, you just, uh, uh, looking at some of the stuff from those reports, I just, you, Oh, it's- you, 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 you you want to punch it's almost the whole like reading universe porn. in the it's face? Almost
1: like, it's almost like reading porn. It is like reading porn. It's like reading porn, or I guess. <laughs> but, you know, I, I imagine that it's I like really reading know, porn, except you know? it's, it's real, you <laughs> yeah. know? It's real, and those are real people. Well, And they're real people who are horribly injured and hurt and humiliated, and yeah. yet they will carry that sense of... I'm a, I'm a piece of crap because this happened to me. And well, I wish and, there was something I could do too. That's why I put out yeah. on my podcast, uh, email me. I will yeah. call you. I will hear your story. I had a conversation
0: you know? earlier this week and I think that it's, somebody was asking, you know, the kind of the perennial question, how can you still be a Catholic after this? And, yeah. uh, my response, much like Tom McDonald's, is I didn't become a Catholic because of the God knows. <laughs> no, I did not become a Catholic because of the bishops. I did not say, "Wow, awesome bishops!" I I got to have me some of that. Uh, but uh, uh, the, the the thing about you know, I became a Catholic for one reason because I believe in Jesus Christ, uh, and that I am convinced that Jesus has, in fact, uh, instituted the church. Uh, One of the things that he did when he instituted the church to make extremely clear the distinction between himself and the church, there's an identity between Jesus and the church. Uh, So when Saul is stopped on the Emmaus Road, uh, as he's off to go persecute, uh, some of Jesus's
1: disciples,
0: uh, Jesus says this to him,
1: Why are you persecuting, why are persecuting me?
0: Persecuting me, right? And so, yeah, you know, all I think if you want to understand Paul, you got to understand those seven words. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Virtually all of Saul's theology can be understood as an attempt to unpack the meaning of those seven words. I think, uh, and so Paul, certainly, you know, Paul's the one that. Uh, coins the idea that the church is the body of Christ, uh, with Christ as the head. And so, yes, is there an identity between uh, Christ and his church? Absolutely. But at the same time, as we were talking about earlier, uh, the church is a divine and human institution, but never is the church assured that it will be without sin. Uh, the the reason the church is holy is because the Holy Spirit is the soul of the church, not because its members are. Uh, and so we are always we're the we are the ones being saved. We are not. We are absolutely not the saviors. Uh, and so we're the recipients of grace. God graciously sometimes makes us sacraments to one another so you are a sacrament to your husband for example and he is a sacrament to you uh, and we act as little sacraments sometimes out in the world that's why we receive the eucharist so that we can go out into the world as little sacraments to the world but all of that is because God is being is being gracious to us God is the dad working on the car engine and we're the five-year-old standing there, and he says, here, hold this. And he hands us a wrench, and we hold the wrench for a while. And he says, can I have the wrench? And you give him back the wrench, and he does something under the hood. You can't see because you're too short. And then he starts the car, and it revs up. And you go, me and Dad fix the car.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's how salvation works. That's what we're doing as Christians. And so... One of the things that C.S. Lewis said was that he was never more acutely aware of how inadequate he was uh, uh, as an evangelist and as a witness to the faith than when someone became a believer. Because it's so obvious, unless you're dumb, unless you're prideful, it is so obvious that it is not you that did this, that... that, uh you know, people become believers for reasons that are so inscrutable often. Uh and we we're given the uh, the ridiculously undeserved chance to be part of that process.
1: Mm-hmm. Um but Isn't that cool?
0: but it's not <laughs> but it's not us. And and the moment yeah. we start thinking about it and talking about the church uh, in this triumphalist way, uh, is the moment that I think that we become incredibly false uh, to the truth about what the church is. The church is a sacrament, but uh, the church is not a is not the savior. Yeah. Uh, and right now is a moment where. Above all, we are called to remember that. we are called, When Jesus gives instructions to the disciples, he says, um, they're to be like servants who get up when their master comes and they wait at table and they do all the stuff <laughs> to help the master. And then when they're done, he says, what you should say is, we are unworthy servants. Mm-hmm. Uh, we
1: only did what we were supposed to.
0: We just did what we were supposed at, at most. Definitely. We did what we were supposed to. Big deal. Congratulations, you did what you're supposed to do. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you're not a hero, right? And uh uh that that spirit I think is so vital for for us as laity to recall because that's part of what it means to be holy. But right now, if I could speak to the bishops of the world, I would say that to them as well. uh, That you forgot that you're supposed to be servants and you tried to make your flock into means to an end instead of realizing that they are the end.
1: Yeah. You know? uh, And you became... Politicians, world without end, instead of shepherds and dads.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, for us as lay people, I mean, you know, practical steps, sure, uh, absolutely. Uh, We have to learn to be holy because at this point, uh, we're we're where change begins because the bishops have shown that they can't change themselves. Uh, it's going to be us and it's going to be Caesar, you know, <laughs> that yeah. changes the church at this point until we get holy, self-motivated made bishops. Uh, uh, and they do exist. And, and you know, God knoweth. You know, I know some priests who are just, I think that they're saints.
1: I do too. Uh, just
0: I do too. Fantastic priests that I am so grateful for. And they, above all, are going to be bearing the brunt because, you know, uh, people are going to, they're just going to see the caller and hate him.
1: Yeah. You know, they are. I I I this happened to a priest friend of mine who's a good man. He walked into a restaurant and somebody yelled across the restaurant, "Hey, hey, priest molest any little boys today?"
0: Yeah, you know.
1: And this is have you this is a very holy devout yeah. young man who is yeah. absolutely in love with his vocation and serves his parish and is chaste right. and I'm I mean he felt horrible and sure. They're they're gonna really suffer because yeah. of the sins of their brothers, you know. And that's sad. That's sad too. We just, we, we have to go through this. Yeah. It's not gonna go away.
0: Yeah. So yeah. what
1: well, you know? What are some takeaways? Like how how to live through this and survive it without saying, "Dang it, I'm throwing in the towel. I'm gonna go be Methodist. I well, like their music better anyway."
0: <laughs> well, you know, uh, I I think one of the things that is important, I was having a conversation about this with a friend of mine the other day. The thing is, the thing about a bishop is all he really is, at the end of the day, is a custodian of a tradition that he did not invent, that he does not own, and that will be there after he is gone. Um, The good news about that is that although he can uh he can harm his own witness uh by uh being a bad bishop he can't change the tradition it's not changeable uh jesus has seen to that jesus saw to that when he appointed peter and the apostles <laughs> as the first heads of the church you know yeah. it was immediately obvious that <laughs> <laughs> that these guys <laughs> uh a bunch of knuckleheads yeah they're knuckleheads you know and weak
1: and, vessels and yeah. clay pots exactly
0: like. <laughs> yeah and so paul describes the tradition as a treasure in a jar of clay mm-hmm. um uh and uh, uh that's that's the case so if we're if we're looking at at the church itself at the faith itself uh the faith itself remains what it is. Uh, The church herself, the mystical body of Christ remains what she is because we do not constitute the church. We are not the soul of the church. The Holy spirit is the soul of the church. And so, you know, uh, this friend of mine was going, well, what if, you know, what if somehow their sins uh, pervert the tradition? I I said, well, that's not, you know, it's not like this is just like a new thing. Yeah. (laughs) Suddenly we're facing bishops that are bad. We've always had bad bishops beginning with Judas Iscariot who betrayed Mm -hmm. Jesus and Peter who denied him and all the others who ran off, you know. Uh, That's always been the case. And so, no, it's not possible. This is why the church is granted by Jesus himself, the graces of indefectibility, which means that the church will not depart from the faith, uh, uh, and uh, infallibility. Uh, infallibility does not mean uh, that.
1: Impeccability.
0: It doesn't mean impeccability. It doesn't mean sinlessness. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that the bishops are smart. It means that the bishops are dumb. Uh, that's yeah. why those graces are given. The reason that the the church is given those gifts is not because, golly, 2,000 years from now, some bad bishops might come along and pervert the faith. The reason those gifts are given is because the church would not, the gospel would not have lasted five minutes after Pentecost. Uh, It has always required those graces from Jesus to, and they're very minimal (laughs) graces, to simply ensure that the gospel will always be available. It will always yeah. be present. It will it will always be preached. The graces of the sacraments will always be there, not because the ministers are good ministers, but because Jesus wasn't kidding around when he established the church. He meant it to be uh, a sacrament that would last until the end of time.
1: And he keeps his promises. We right, trust in the promises of Christ.
0: A- a- yes, and that's really what it comes back to. It's not a question of whether you can trust the bishops. It's a question of whether you can trust Jesus. Uh, you, don't trust the bishops. Right? <laughs> We've learned anything yeah. from this. No, of course you don't trust the bishops. Uh, but you can trust Jesus.
1: Uh, I, I got to read this Dorothy Day uh, quote that you put up the other day. Okay. Dorothy Day, that great servant of God who... Cared so much about the poor and was a convert herself. Yes. Um, She said, in all history, popes and bishops and abbots seem to have been blind and power loving and greedy. I never expected leadership from them. It is the saints that keep appearing all through history who keep things going. What I do expect is the bread of life. And down through the ages, there is that continuity. Right
0: yeah it is Jesus who is promised to us uh through the church, and the church keeps that promise uh, uh, despite its incredible flaws uh yeah. but uh it's not because the church is great at keeping promises it's because Jesus keeps his promise and and so that's you know that's kind of the weirdness uh, of the faith is that we uh it is a communion of saints and there are real saints in the church, by the way, not just dead ones either.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, There are, you know, there, there,
0: there are people I know today uh, who are phenomenal saints. I'm married to one of them. If I get to heaven, it's going to be because of my wife, Jan.
1: (laughs) Me too. uh, Me too. I'm uh, married to one of them too. (laughs) and,
0: And so that's, you know, that's what the graces are all there for. The graces are there so that we can become saints if we'll just appropriate those graces and start cooperating with them and doing the things that we can do. Uh, St. Thomas More said the times are never so bad that a good man cannot live in them. Yeah. Uh, uh, And he lived at a time, you know, which in many ways, you know, in England at any rate, uh, but really all across across Europe, you know, it was the worst. It was the worst. You know, compared to that time, things are great for us you know i mean i'm not getting <laughs> killed for my faith i you know i'm not living at a time when pope francis is having his enemies assassinated which uh-huh. there have or, that have done that, is right?
1: illegitimate children appointed cardinal while the yeah. concubines live high on the hog in the vatican residence it's like yeah you know yeah. times are of- been bad. <laughs> things are bad. Nothing new under the sun.
0: But, you know, things are, things are not as bad as they could be. Uh, you know, that's always famous last words. Uh, but, you know, are we living in a time of real crisis? Of course. Uh, uh, you could really argue, uh, and I would in fact argue, that there has never been a time the church has not been in crisis. Uh, well, that's a good point. Uh, that's, it's just how it goes. This is, you know, this is the crisis that we have been, and this is really important to understand, this is the crisis that we have been chosen by God to confront. You and me and every person listening to this, we have been called by God Almighty himself to confront this evil. At At Mass last week, uh, Paul told us that Jesus reigns until every enemy has been placed under his feet. What that means, among other things, is that throughout the history of the church, Jesus Christ has confronted, through his saints, various evils, various powers and principalities, Uh, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, human structures of sin, uh, human agents of evil, and the task of the saints in each and every one of those generations has been to be part of the way in which Jesus subjects those evils and puts them under his feet. That's why, among other... You know, there are certain evils... uh, There's the old joke, right? Uh, You know, uh, uh, I go to a Dominican parish, and um, uh, the old Dominicans love to tell jokes about Jesuits. And so, you know, somebody is asking, what's the difference between a Jesuit and a Dominican? And uh, the Dominican says, well, the Jesuits were founded in the 16th century to, uh, you know, deal with uh, uh, Protestant revolt. And the Dominicans were founded in the 13th century to deal with uh, Albigensianism. Uh, And he said, okay, so, you know, which do you like better? And the Dominican says, well, have you met any Albigensians lately? Um, (laughs) Dumb joke. But the point is that there are real evils uh, that the Albigensians... Really, the Albigensians were a reaction to the to the the laxness and and uh, uh, crappiness of uh, French bishops, um, but they also said and did things that really were extremely dangerous. Uh, so denying the good of the body, for example, and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and one of the things that we're called to do uh, in every generation is to confront the evils that are given. Uh, that happened at that time. You know, there's the, that passage from the Lord of the Rings where Frodo says, I wish none of this had happened. Uh, uh, and Gandalf says, so do all who live to see such times, but that's not for them to decide. What we have to do is decide what we're going to do with the time that's given to us. Yeah. Um, we have real resources as lay people. We have the grace of the sacraments. We have the capacity to say yes to the Holy Spirit. We have the capacity to confront evil. Uh, and that means, you know, cops and jail and handcuffs and prisons uh, in some cases. We also have the capacity to be agents of healing uh, to victims. We have the capacity to forgive evils given to us, uh, uh dealt out to us by people who really did evil. You know, one of the points about forgiveness is that forgiveness is not excusing. It's not right. saying, wow, he meant well, he did not right. mean well. <laughs> he, yeah. you know, he hurt you. He hurt your daughter. He hurt your son. Uh, he, when we're called, it wasn't to, an accident. <laughs> it wasn't an accident. Uh, yeah, and so it didn't just
1: happen. Forgi- oh, that yeah. just happened. Yeah.
0: So forgiveness is not about saying uh, that the person who hurt you didn't really sin. The first thing that forgiveness presupposes is that they absolutely sinned. That's what forgiveness is for. Excuses, excusing things are for when people meant well. You know, you're on the bus, and the bus lurches, and somebody stomps on your toe. You don't forgive that. Yeah, you don't forgive that person because they didn't mean to stomp on your toe. You say, "Okay, physics, I, I I get it." You know, but forgiveness of sins is for real sin. It's for real evil, and God knoweth we are confronted right now with real evil. Uh, And it doesn't mean forgiveness doesn't mean no punishment. Right. Um, or reparation. You know, or, or reparation. Uh, you know, that bishop, you know, uh, right now, I mean, there, every layperson in the church can say, with all truth, uh, that those corrupt bishops abused them. Okay, sure, maybe not sexually abused them, you know. But still, but they all. abuse
1: their trust. But it's abused, an abuse of nonetheless, trust. Nonetheless,
0: yes, we have yeah. all been, as lay people, stabbed in the back. And therefore, we have every right to say this person needs to be removed from office. They need to be punished at law where crime is concerned. Uh, none of that means that uh, I uh, have no obligation to forgive, I could totally yeah. forgive somebody and still see to it that they receive the punishment that they need. Uh, yeah. And forgiveness is for us as yeah, well. We, as- need we, right,
1: need we-, just, you, we need to forgive. Y- yeah. y- right. We just We need to forgive.
0: Right. And this is what Jesus tells us: uh, uh, is that um, we must forgive. Uh, but the point about forgiveness is, you know, somebody once said, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other guy to die. You know, this is uh, just to name somebody, you know, Cardinal Worrell did some appalling things. He basically paid a a priest to not tell him what he didn't want to hear incredibly Hmm. enough. Okay. That infuriates me. And that means I therefore have something I need to forgive him for because I'm infuriated at him. If I'm if if i if angry at somebody, I got something I got to forgive. Um, but I don't have to pretend that it didn't happen. I don't have to pretend that I don't think he should go to jail. I think he should go to jail. <laughs>
1: And that's a good distinction. I think that uh, forgiveness—it's very important to define it. It isn't making excuses for the perpetrator of a crime. Yeah. It isn't saying the crime was less, the hurt was less. It's not saying I don't care anymore. You're—it's uh, not saying I—it's not saying I feel all uh, better now.
0: Chris, your uh, <laughs> your microphone is making this weird buzzing thing. Oh, sorry. Uh, How's that? Better? No, it's worse. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on here. Oh, well, now it seems to have stopped. Hello? Hello? Well, perhaps this is a good time, (laughs) as any then, to, uh, uh, draw things to a close. Uh, we'll wait here for a minute and see if, uh, Chris comes back. Well, in the meantime, some closing thoughts. Um... This is an opportunity, I think, for the church. Uh, this is not a, a a good moment at all, of course, in the history of the church. But this is a moment uh, for us as Catholics, as for people who are have had that pain that they have not been able to identify and they've been afraid to go to the doctor... Uh, because they might find out what that pain is and we've gone to the doctor and we've had an x-ray given to us courtesy of the state of Pennsylvania Uh, and we're gonna have other x-rays and uh, they found a tumor and we're gonna find other tumors Uh, finding out that we've got a tumor is always bad news but we have a divine physician and the f- whole function of the law uh, in the Old Testament was precisely to x ray and find the tumor. That's all the law can do, uh, according to Paul. All the law can do is reveal sin. It can't cure sin. And it's, so it's like an x ray that way, too. Uh, an x ray just says, yep, there's a broken bone there. There sure is. More x rays are not going to heal the bone. But we have a divine physician. And we are promised by that divine physician that he will be with us to the end of the age. He's not going to bail on us. And this was not a surprise to him. Uh, This was only something that we didn't want to face. Now it's out. It's visible. It's in the open. And we can, and by the grace of God, we will uh, respond to this. And we will become a holier church. We will become a church that's been purified uh, of this sin because Jesus must reign until the end of the age and he will put all enemies under his feet. This is another enemy of Christ. This abuse uh, and this cover-up and this structure of sin uh, that we have created uh, over the church that... He himself has given us. We'll make it through this. Uh, so keep praying, keep seeking the life of grace, uh, and pray every day Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. You've been listening to Connecting the Dots. I want to thank Christine Franklin for being on the show today. And uh, we'll be back next time to talk again about life, the universe, and everything. Till then, bye. Introducing the redesigned catholicsingles.com. Featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith, not just a profile picture. For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com and the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website is ready to help single Catholics take the next step in sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics. Remember CatholicSingles.com for faith, fellowship, and love.